Welcome to We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. I'm your host, Lauren Lee. And who am I? I was your wacky 10th grade English teacher who would occasionally rap a Shakespearean soliloquy, would always encourage a live performance of a book report, and would occasionally dress up in costume as Professor Dumbledore to host an ethics debate, who then, after nearly a decade, decided to take the massive leap of faith to attend a coding boot camp, switch careers, and dive deep into the tech industry. I've been surprised by how many of the skills and lessons I learned as an educator have translated to my role in tech. So that got me thinking, have you taken a non-traditional route to tech? Or are you interested in transitioning yourself? This is a podcast that aims to interview career changers and folks who are diversifying tech. We'll hear stories from people who've taken unique paths and chat about the skills that they've transferred to their roles today. We're hoping to create a space for people to learn from one another, develop confidence, and debunk the antiquated notion that a computer science degree is required to succeed in tech. Come on, everyone. Let's dive in. My guest today is a full-stack software engineer at Avo, a lawyer directory headquartered in Seattle. And before that, she studied design, photography, and visual communication in college. But then, in 2014, she attended a program called Dev Bootcamp and went on to be an educator and instructor at many different bootcamps and coding programs, such as the Flatiron School, the Latin High School in Chicago, General Assembly, Code with Clossy, and even was my instructor at Ada Developers Academy here in Seattle. Because this podcast is dedicated to interviewing those who, for example, have graduated from programs such as these, I thought it'd be fun to chat with someone from the perspective of the person teaching these programs and understand her own unique path to tech. Her name is Jamie Pilgrim, and I am so excited to have her on the show. Thank you so much for being a guest, Jamie. Of course. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> okay, so let's just dive right in and start at the beginning, shall we? Yes, let's okay. do that. Yeah, so can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before uh, you entered the tech industry in 2014? Yeah, so before I entered, I feel like uh, you know, I had started the traditional path of starting college and you know, I, I had it in my head that I was definitely going to do do the college, get the job after, be live that adult life that we all kind of um, expect to have. Mm-hmm. But then after my first year and a half at college, I dropped out. Then I moved to Australia and traveled and soul searched a bit, went back to school, dropped out again. <laughs> um, so I was kind of all over the place trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Not only like what I really wanted to do and also find like the right educational program because I just felt like traditional college wasn't really what I expected it to be or it was the kind of learning that I wasn't going to work for you yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. and like society really pushes that on us, especially in America it feels like like that the four-year mm-hmm. program is like what we must do yeah and you have to make that decision in high school which is <laughs> 17 wild to be looking back yeah <laughs> <laughs> interesting so so then you decided to at that point that's when you decided to go to the dev program yeah, yeah. So around, I think I was 25, I was originally planning on going back to college for mm-hmm. some reason. Uh, but at this time, I was going to do it in Germany. Oh. So it's like, why not? Um, I think it was also a financial decision because I could have gotten it free there as well. Okay. Um, you could to- Yeah, you could totally do that even if you're not a citizen there. Cool. And I knew when I, I didn't know any German, so I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make money. So I was like, oh, I coded a little bit before. I made websites before, so I thought that might be a good 
way to, uh, I could freelance and make money on the side while I'm studying. So that's why what led me to going to, uh, first I did a girl development class in Chicago. Okay. When I was taking that class, it was an HTML and CSS one. When I took that, I kept asking questions that really were beyond HTML and CSS. Mm -hmm. And I asked everyone there how they learned and pretty much all the, the instructor and all the TAs went to dev boot camp. Oh. Um, so that's really what sort of it, um, brought up the idea of going to that and sort of transitioning away from the idea of college and, you know, just doing this boot camp program and then going into uh, the industry right after. That's sort of where, that's where it all stemmed. I see. So that's where you had learned about the program itself, dev boot camp, and your circle of people that you knew that were in the industry. That's how they had learned themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. I see. Cool. And so then you went on to teach and work for all these different programs that have the mission of bringing and helping people find careers in tech. You were doing that in Chicago at first? Yes. I at least like started all of it in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, when I moved there, I did the, yeah, I did, I moved to Chicago for the program. And then after the program, I did about six months of freelancing before I started teaching. And then from that point, you, know, I liked it so much that I was doing probably anywhere from like two to three different teaching jobs at a time. Oh my you know, some of them were only, only needed a few hours a week. So, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And it was really great just seeing like what an impact something like that has. Like I, when I did the boot camp program, I didn't realize just how much better of a environment that is for some people to learn in. Yeah. I mean, and it sounds like having done the program yourself and then working at and supporting these different ones afterwards, it sounds like you're an advocate for Mm -hmm. this way of education or a unique route to tech Mm -hmm. uh, and believe in that kind of pedagogical path. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think even just rethinking the way that we learn is, you know, for certain fields of study, I think that's something that we should be pushing more than just like go to college, go to these classes and then jump into a job. Um, I think that's especially why I appreciated ADO so much is there was like a set curriculum and for six months. And then afterwards there was that internship. So you got the experience alongside the learning. It was a lot more practical, I find. So I feel like a lot of the college teaching I had was, you know, it, it could be useful, but it wasn't necessarily practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Applied learning concept for sure. Mm-hmm. So then did you move to Seattle to be a teacher at Ada Developers Academy? I did. Yep. Um, I moved here for that job, but I think Seattle was always on my radar. I just felt like it was a place that I would like living. Uh, I never visited before, but I just kind of found that program and applied and figured what the heck and see what happens. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome leap of faith that you took. <laughs> I'm so grateful for it, right? Having been yeah. <laughs> I mean, it all worked out. I love it here. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then let's bring us to today. Can you tell me more about what you do now at Avo? Yeah, so I am, uh, as you said earlier, I'm a full stack software engineer. Uh, I work on the consumer facing part of the site. So I have to do a lot of work around like the A-B testing of designs and functionality and cool. site performance and SEO. Like it's all really nice because I think I had done similar work to that before I even did the boot camp. Uh, and by similar work, I mean, just like on my own, like that was like a hobby I did was oh, cool. playing around with like blogs and websites, personal websites as like a kid even. So I just really feel like that's that's the part of software engineering that I really enjoy. Yeah. You have such a beautiful eye for design as well. I remembered feeling so envious um, <laughs> at being a student of yours. Being like, oh my gosh. She really understands just like what it, what a beautiful web page can look like and what it feels like to be a user and a customer. That's such a talent of yours. So it's cool that you're using it now. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Not that you weren't as a teacher, right? Like you were highlighting all the possibilities for us too, for us to understand. So mm-hmm. how did how did you go about making that transition or what was your thought process from teaching and being behind the scenes, if you will, and then uh, transitioning to the full stack engineer position yourself? 
Yeah. When I had started teaching, I knew that it was going to be temporary and that I would eventually want to go back into the industry. Um, I didn't really set like a time limit. It was more just like when I kind of feel like it. (laughs) I don't really have any better way of like describing it. But yeah, I think there was a point where I was like, maybe for like a few years and we'll see what like jobs Mm -hmm. are available and if anything sort of stands out to me. Um, And I think that was a nice part of being at Ada too, is I actually got to see a lot of, I got to hear about a lot of people's experiences at different Mm, companies. Um, So I knew definitely when I joined Avo, I was getting to a space that I knew um, I would be able to thrive in. I know the students that I had that were doing right, really and well it's there. that word of mouth whisper network of this is a great place to work mm-hmm. or et cetera that we all uh, now benefit. And I, I find that to be an incredible part of the Ada community too that we're uh, we're able to mm-hmm. share that inside knowledge of hey this company is, steer clear it's toxic or vice versa this place is an incredible mm-hmm. positive space for diverse candidates or et cetera whatever it is and it, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's also one of the best parts about these programs is the one that I went through in Ada. There's always these like alumni networks that I think are so mm-hmm. strong. Um, and I've never quite, I haven't seen anything quite as strong as it, as it even from um, like colleges. Like sure, there's like networks, but I feel like the bootcamp ones are so much more closely knit and really about helping each other out. Like I haven't sensed any sort of competitiveness or needing to like hide you know, things mm-hmm. from other people. Um, it's, I really see a lot of people just trying to be like, no, come right. join our team or yeah, a lot of it. And that's exactly how I think I've gotten as far as I have. And I don't know if I would be necessarily in this position had I done like a more traditional yeah. route. No, that's important. I think that those those networks and the concept of community over collaboration is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So what keeps me in this industry still, it's, it's important. Mm-hmm. So what kept you from entering the tech industry before you did? You know, honestly, I don't even think I really knew it was an mm-hmm. option. Because <laughs> like in hindsight, like it makes a lot of sense that I I'm doing what I'm doing. And I feel like if I knew that that was the, the position would be this way, I think I would have plun- made the plunge, like even way, I think I would have made a decision way back mm. in high school. But I think I just had this impression that it was because it has like the engineer tied to it. I think I just assumed it was more like math based. And, you know, I was one of those kids who just didn't really care about math. So I just avoided those classes. <laughs> I sort of went more, more the, um, like the art yeah. route. So I think my designs, even though I was building websites as a kid, I think what stood out more to people were the designs. And you know, that's why I was kind of being persuaded to pursue more like artistic things and design more than oh, anything that's else. That's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's a surprisingly common story that people are having of like, I didn't, no one encouraged mm-hmm. this in me. No one saw that this had the potential in me, whatever, even though I was doing it or I was succeeding in this particular thing. And so ultimately we find it a little bit later, but it's really a path that we were really destined to take our whole lives. Oh, That's for sure. So interesting. Mm-hmm. And even, I think even if you didn't have that background, mm-hmm. I think, you know, because I do know a lot of people who didn't necessarily do any sort of coding yeah. as a kid and you know, they still done just as well. But I think, yeah, I feel like they're in the same boat where they just didn't really see it as an option. Yeah, it was never, I just, yeah, I never heard that this sort of thing existed. And maybe it's because it's so new. I'm not yeah, sure. Maybe it's a gender thing and our society does not push that curriculum onto girls. I'm the person you're talking about. Like I never once made mm-hmm. a website in, the, in my basement, like tinkering on the computer, like not into video games at all. But I, <laughs> I'm always envious though of when I was the student at Ada of my classmates that were like, oh, my old HTML page that I made. I'm like, you knew about this? I mean, they're embarrassing. So don't be too jealous. (laughs) The LG... I remember you all showing us the Space Jam website that hasn't changed since 1995. Like that's what they all look like. That's my jam. Oh my God. When I show that to high schoolers, they're just like, uh, what is this? 
I'm sure that's so funny. <laughs> You're like, it was this really cool movie. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, all right. Well, how would you say that your past as both in art and design and also as an educator from these programs, how has that helped you today in your role as an engineer? I think because I do do a lot of front-end work, I feel like I'm able to make some of my own decisions when it comes to design and, you know, usually it turns out fine. Oh. <laughs> um, but I always, I always like uh, consult my any of the UX folks on my mm-hmm. team, and usually they just give me the thumbs up or tell me to do minor tweaks. But it is really like a lot easier to talk with them because I know when I should ask them mm-hmm. questions and when I can make my own decisions on something. Mm-hmm. And in general, I think yeah, it's as far as having the design background, I think that's helped a lot. Yeah, it's a nice um, blend of it. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. And then from the teaching perspective. Yeah. So the teaching, I think that has had the the biggest impact just because I wasn't, you know, I think of myself like 10 years ago, straight out of high school. And I was like, I mean, people might, some people who know me might not believe this, but I was very introverted and just super, I mean, I think we're all kind of socially awkward in some ways, but I mean, I was pretty socially awkward. Uh, so, I think, <laughs> so I think like, uh, I think between the traveling, I think the traveling initially helped. And then sort of easing into teaching, you know, uh, I started off being a TA and you know, that was that one-on-one. And I think from there, I started to build up to sort of being like a secondary teacher and then a full-on teacher. And through there, I think I just sort of developed a better way of communicating, um, whether it be one-on-one mm-hmm. or... With so many different types of people, I'm sure, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I could talk to just about anybody at work and it's not effort. Mm. Um, it feels natural and I actually enjoy doing it, which I think, you know... <laughs> It's, 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 I mean, it seems like it should be, <laughs> it should have to be. No, no. Yeah. A question I often ask on this podcast is, would you say that those skills differentiate you from your coworkers who've taken a more traditional route to tech? And I mean, that like what you just said <laughs> is yes. Like that is, is what makes you different. I'm sure on your team of engineers oh, right yeah. now. I'll say in this field, I'm like, I'm like safely an extrovert, <laughs> but that's in this field. I think if you drop me in to like a different group of people, I wouldn't. Yep. I wouldn't be. <laughs> I think I would kind of like revert to an introvert again. It's absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. <laughs> totally. No, I hear you. Can you share any uh, life lessons that you've learned since your transition to tech? Yeah. Um, my gosh, there's probably so many. Uh, <laughs> but I think uh, I think a big one, and this is something I observed from teaching, um, teaching mm-hmm. and also just like working on some of the teams that I have, is that definitely when groups of people work together. And sort of stick together, watch out for each other, and support each other. You're going to be substantially more successful than if you sort of only think about yourself or get into a competitive mindset or those kind of environments. I just feel like get to be too toxic. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that there's a lot of lot more underlying problems than you see on the surface. Um, so I mean, I think that's one big takeaway. Um, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, so collaboration. Me versus we mm-hmm. concept of like really leaning into the team or... Yeah, and I wanted to bring that one to attention first because I feel like there is a stereotype that programmers are just like, they work by themselves and they're not social. And you, know, I think we've come a long way in the past few years, mm-hmm. but I feel like there are still some work environments that are very much like that. Yeah. Definitely. And I think we're in an interesting space and time where people have the opportunity to make a choice between those types of work styles and work environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think, you know, there's days where I definitely just want to work by myself. And I think that's okay. But I mean, eventually, I'm going to have to like get a code review, or if I do get stuck, I'm gonna have to ask somebody for help. So mm-hmm. I think just allowing for that to not you know an issue is even helpful. Because I know some places asking for help is just not a thing. <laughs> or even some places are straight up just like, no, you can't pair a program. It's a waste of resources, which 
still astounds me that some people think that. That's wild. That's really wild. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Well, can you tell me about a time when you have felt like an outsider and how you have dealt with those feelings? Yeah. I think I felt that the most, or I felt that the most like in a negative way when I was starting for sure. Cause mm-hmm. I was one of the only women at my boot camp. Yeah. And you were doing it pretty early on in that phase of boot camp programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. There wasn't too many in Chicago at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was what 2000, I started in 2014. So I think right. they were starting to be a thing. People were just starting to hear about them. Right. And now there's over a hundred in, in <laughs> the U S right now. And so, yeah, it's wild. Uh, yeah. It's, it's come a long way. It's, I mean, it's grown fast. It's just Mm-hmm. Um, I think people started seeing results and I think that bootcamp was one who led the way oh, that's you know, so cool. in a good way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it, one thing I did like about them was that they did have um, a lot of engineering empathy classes. It was like once a week or once every, or every other week. And I think those kind of helped. Like that was the first time I heard about like imposter syndrome and all that oh, sort of stuff. Cool. Which that for being the first time I was, I heard it though. I think it was good to have that awareness that existed, but I still definitely felt it. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the entire time. I mean, I still feel it. Like that. Right. <laughs> like, even though I can name it, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling like an imposter right now. I still feel it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was like what I was being like an outsider in a negative sense. But I think yeah. eventually, yeah, I think I've still felt like outsiders occasionally, but I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing anymore. Cool. Yeah. So I think I'm more of just like embraced it. Like, yeah, I'm an outsider with different experiences, but yeah, those different experiences have different perspectives and it's useful. Well, I think that's incredible. And exactly what the goal of this podcast is, is to share stories like that so that we can celebrate feeling like an outsider and being unique in our journeys to tech mm-hmm. and that it's we're bringing something to the table and to help not only people that are like us that are doing it themselves, but also employers and companies that are learning to make sense of us too. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. So anyhow. Okay, cool. So do you, Jamie, have any advice for those wanting to transition into tech that you can share? Yeah, I think the biggest bit of advice that I have is that every journey is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and while this next, while, while this advice is easier said than done, I would say just don't compare yourself to other people and where they are. Um, if anything, just like see your journey, see what you're capable of committing to in that moment. Uh, if you want to be somewhere, kind of make a layout, a plan for it, you know, talk to your manager mm-hmm. or your instructor, wherever you are in this phase or a mentor and just kind of like lay out a plan on how you want to get there, but don't necessarily rush it. I still feel like the tech industry has this sort of like go, 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 go mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I definitely, um, I mean, I hustled the first several years and then finally it got to a point where I was like, I need to slow down. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I don't want to burn out. And then. I think that's part of the reason why there is such like a negative view on some of these tech jobs is that so people just go like you're expected to go so hard. You had to be pushing code reviews at four in the morning. <sighs> yeah, yeah. So now when I interview, I very much, you know, set the, ex- or set the boundary of, uh, you know, I can't commit myself to working outside of mm. nine to five or on weekends. You know, I understand sometimes it might have to happen for like on-call situations, but I kind of set the boundary from there. That way I know if they're kind of like, oof, yeah that's not going to work. At least I know before I get into that place, or I just know that that place is not going to be a fit for me. Like I said, and that's easier said than done for some people. Cause I think sometimes for your first job, you just kind of have to, unfortunately, you kind of have to suck it up and just like get some experience, Sure. but know that that, you know, hopefully it should only be like a year of your life and then you can leave and get something better. Right. And I think you, you alluded to that piece too, of this, like we have to prevent the burnout because statistically this industry has a difficult time retaining mm-hmm. women. And so we have to take the time 
to really prioritize self-care and to balance it all, to be in it long enough to become managers, to become the CEOs. Mm -hmm. We we can't just be in it for a little bit. It has to be a long-term win, if you will. For sure, yeah. And yeah, I think I'm really lucky. I I feel the same way right now as you. My manager will, she'll ping me if I'm on Slack at night in the the evening. She'll be like, get off. You better not be working right now. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Uh, And so it's really nice to be at a place that really values that work-life balance. And um, and Mm -hmm. it's important. It's really nice to have found a place that sees that as a part of our life. They see you as a person, not just as someone who is working for them, which is nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a whole human, for sure. I really like that you spoke about not comparing yourself to others because I think that that is incredibly important and crucial. However, so difficult. I think it's it's something we need to like constantly try to remind ourselves because it is not about, you know, what your classmate or what your coworker is capable of doing, but what you are able to do and what you are learning in your Oh, journey. definitely. Uh, yeah, I remember teaching and that was like the one Thing I had to tell almost everybody and I knew I knew that they were still going to do it <laughs> but it was just like that yeah that reminder that like you you might feel like you're not as strong in this area compared to like, your peers but I'm like I can assure you that's not the case mm-hmm. and you want to just like highlight their strengths the thing is even though you might not be somewhere as some other person like you're probably stronger in one area or further along in one area and that person might even be like oh wow like comparing themselves to you too so I feel like that's kind of one way that I help keep myself in check is that there's people comparing themselves to me and feeling inadequate. And yeah. But you know, ultimately, like you said, we always have, I mean, I always have to, I mean, I still do it. (laughs) Um, I've seen people struggle with it, but yeah, I still even have that problem. Yeah. And yeah, I think I like the idea of more not comparing yourself, but still see it more as like inspiration. They're like, Oh, this person's at that spot. And like, what did they do to get there? Like what, like, can I ask them questions or get to know more about like their journey to get there instead of just, you know, being down on myself mm-hmm. that I that I haven't done these things that this other person has. No, I, I that's that's a great reframing way to do it. And I think that, gosh, I, I talking about this makes me just have full flashbacks to Ada, <laughs> where I, I remember <laughs> crying during the jQuery week and saying, I just don't, I had missed it. I was in New Orleans for RubyConf and I came back being like, I guess I just have to drop out now because I don't understand <laughs> this part of javascript and thinking oh my gosh everyone else gets it everyone else is able to do this assignment i can't even get anything to render on the page and just separating that from my self-worth right and thinking okay it's really cool that my Mm -hmm. friends know how to do that now that means that they can help me right and seeing them as resources instead and that was a big shift of mindset i think for me and has stuck with me for a long time now but definitely definitely emotional So, so I'm being like, Jamie, I, I think I have to leave this program. Like, I think, I think I'm done here because I cannot, I cannot succeed. Yeah, that's, I mean, but. those are pretty typical Ada attitudes at some point in the program. Everyone just has that moment where it's just like, they work so hard on the previous portion that like the next one, they're just like, so for doubt or tired that like, they just can't absorb the information. And it's, yeah, it's a constant cycle. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm like getting hot. It's like so triggering right now. Oh, no. playing it back. <laughs> anyway, okay. So uh, this is a moment, Jamie, for you to make your shout out. What would you like the listeners to go check out? One thing that I do want people to go check out is look at, I would suggest looking at opportunities to um, like TA or teach or mentor, just because, like I said, that was one of the most 
useful things I did within my career was was doing that. So I think being able to make connections and help people out. And the thing is, the people that you help out, a lot of them will come back later and be able to help you out at some point in your career, too. I mean, look, I taught you and now sure. I'm going to to talk about myself on a podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no, I think that's a really great point, though, that we now have this like responsibility, we're in the industry, help and be a mentor, be an advocate for someone, help them in their journey and their path too. And it feels probably really incredible mm-hmm. to do that with people and to help them see how to, for example, make sense of jQuery, like to <laughs> see that light bulb turn on in their in their eyes and to see someone else be able to enter the industry and to join in. And it's a way to help make the the community a better place too. So I mm-hmm. think that that's awesome advice. Yeah. And I mean, this could be anything from like volunteering an hour at a place like a boot camp like Ada, or I think even if you're mm-hmm. a bit imitate, uh, intimidated by something like that, um, there's other like even online resources where you don't necessarily have to be talking to someone or you can like sit and mull over like a question and answer that question on some form. I wouldn't necessarily say Stack Overflow because I could feel like there's a high profile where that might be intimidating as well. But Sure. But there are some select communities mm-hmm. that people, I remember using the Ruby Seattle RB's Slack channel quite a bit during ADA and asking questions to the folks that were involved in that meetup when we would have difficult challenges during school. And it was a really cool place to... Oh, dang. That's like an Tip. You it should. was a good like little network to start growing too. Yes. And it's a nice, like, as you said, it's once you are ready to enter the industry, it's a great way to start asking people about job opportunities, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. it, it, it's really, it's an important, and I think it's a part of all of our duties now too, uh, as those that are in the industry is helping create the space to be more welcoming and a safe space for those to join as well. For sure. Yeah. And even if you didn't like go to a boot camp or maybe you don't have like meetups around you, I know that there are a lot of online ones. Like uh, I think Cody Newbie is a pretty popular oh, yeah. one. If, Love you're, them. if you are starting out, yeah. um, they're great. I think their community is pretty welcoming and like nice. So I think that might be a good one to even start off with if you're a bit intimidated about like the in- in-person situations. Yeah. It's it, You can tell that you're uh, an educator because you have <laughs> the mind for, you're so empathetic and thinking of, okay, well, what about the introvert or, you know, someone who might not be uncomfortable with that. So that is so cool. And it's so neat to see how it comes out in in all parts of your life. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I think, I mean, again, that's a big reason why I think I hold that teaching uh, experience so highly is because I understand that people work differently. Mm. Um, Oh, actually, I want to add this to the advice earlier. Uh, everyone works differently. So like, I think this was something that the people that I have struggled working with are the ones who just, who sort of see someone underperforming and they think that they're like lazy Mm. or sort of something negative when I don't think if you see someone who's maybe underperforming, it's probably not that they're inadequate. It might just be that they're going through something or maybe they need help and they're like scared to ask for it. So I think you're, if you see that, instead of just like assuming that they're not doing their work for whatever bad reason, like just be like, Hey, like you need help. How are you doing? Just like, check in. So there might be more to the situation then than you realize. I think very few times people are lazy or don't want to do something. I think it's, there's usually more to it. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> and I think that that's a great way and reminder of seeing people as whole humans at the workplace and mm-hmm. or in, in the school setting, there might be something going on at home. Just taking the time to say, Hey, how can I help? Or mm-hmm. checking oh, in sure. with them is is a really thoughtful and important thing to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And then Jamie, where can people find you online? 
I'm on most of the things. Um, definitely LinkedIn. You can look up Jamie Pilgrim and at Avo. Uh, Twitter and GitHub. My handles are Pilgrim Memoirs. Oh, I have a site that has my, all my socials. I'll bring the donuts.com. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still up. I haven't. I mean, it's a, don't look at the source code because I wrote that ages ago, but, <laughs> uh, but yes, I think that's like still up. My friend Ben has notes to developers that are looking at his source code on his website <laughs> being like, Hey, I noticed you're checking this out. Maybe go take a look at my GitHub, you know, just like yes. <laughs> take a look All here. I should, I should probably update with just that because I keep telling myself I'm going to like do more with that site and I never do. Right. <laughs> Thanks for visiting. I can see yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> I can tell that you might want to hire me. <laughs> right. I know every time I like apply for jobs, I'm like, please just don't look at the source code of that site. Yeah. I'm still put it. <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Uh, I really appreciated hearing all of your advice and I feel so lucky to have been able to talk with you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. All right, see ya. And that's a wrap on another episode of We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Be sure to rate and subscribe anywhere you can find podcasts and check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.